Hey, this is Double J, Jeff Jarrett, WWE Hall of Famer, and you're listening to the My One Two Three Cents Podcast. It's my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. Wrestling fans, are you ready? It's time for my one, two, three cents of the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me the hell yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. The guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! Hey friends, welcome to episode 458 of the My One Two Three Cents podcast. As you can see here, my guest this week, well, if you're watching on YouTube, of course, which good response over at youtube.com slash my one two three cents. Thank you for supporting that channel. But my buddy Chad Smart, uh, it's been a while, Chad, but I thought uh, you know, this week has been a or this past week has been a rough one in the world of professional wrestling and and you know, want to obviously have you on for more than talking about these uh, sad moments, but we lost two, uh, you know, I think it's, it's fair to put Bray Wyatt in the in legend conversation, especially now where uh, just the response that we saw over the past couple of days uh, since his passing. Yeah. I think, you know, unfortunately I would say that Bray probably never lived up to the level that a lot of fans would have liked to have seen him. And you know, the his first, I don't know, five years, maybe five, six years in WWE, we're kind of building to that. And then, you know, he disappears for a while. He comes back with The Fiend, which, you know, it's kind of a love or hate gimmick, um, especially after the Hell in a Cell match with Seth Rollins that ends in a DQ. You know, that kind of took some shine off of him and then disappears again, comes back with that Uncle Howdy storyline that just abruptly ends. And then, you know, six months later, we find out why. Yeah. And and unfortunate as it is. But yeah, I think, I mean, I think Bray captured, you know, the character with the Wyatt family. He would have been, or I think maybe should have been bigger than he was. Well, and you know, we're going to talk about both Terry Funk and, and Bray Wyatt, but since we kind of started the conversation off with, with Bray Wyatt, let's talk more about him. And, you know, we don't have a real uh, format lined up here. We're going to just kind of shoot from the hip, share memories and thoughts, because I went through some old pictures and, and you've been to more events, obviously, than I have. And and there were a lot of, of great, uh, I think you were at that Hell in a Cell with with was it the one with Bray Wyatt and Seth Rollins, or was it Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose, or was it the Wyatts? And, uh, yeah, you know, I was looking at it before um, we started recording. It was Hell in a Cell 2014. Okay, and I thought, I thought it was Dean Ambrose versus Bray Wyatt yeah. Hell in a Cell, but according to Wikipedia, it was Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose, and oh. Bray Wyatt wasn't on the card. Oh, wow! Yeah, so I mean, based on my admittedly horrible recollection of what shows I've attended. Um, I saw SummerSlam 2013 where he, where Bray beat Kane in a Inferno match or ring of fire match. And then WrestleMania 32 uh, or 30 when he faced John Cena. And then 32 when the rock came out and destroyed the Wyatt family because 
booking. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go back a, a couple of generations. You know, obviously people know Bray Wyatt's lineage. Uh, if you don't, the grandson of, of Black Jack Mulligan, the nephew of Barry Windham, and the son of Mike Rotundo, a.k.a. IRS. Um, so obviously wrestling in the gene pool there in the family. Um, my first recollection of, of Bray Wyatt goes back, though, to uh, and I, I always thought it was cool that that his parents named him Wyndham. Mm. So, you know, he's Wyndham Rotundo. And uh, I always thought that was very cool. But my first recollection of him was as Husky Harris, mm -hmm. on, you know, NXT before NXT is what it is now. Um, it was that show. I guess it was more like a reality based, kind of like a tough enough, uh, yeah. if I'm remembering correctly. I personally enjoyed the Husky Harris character. I can remember even writing a blog about it because I mm. think that uh, at one point there was a lot of, um, you know, haters, I guess, you know, because of that group, you know, Husky Harris, one, the name was kind of cheesy. I, I mm -hmm. admit that it was, you know, uh, kind of reminded me of something that you would have seen in the Fat Albert gang, you know, with the, how mm -hmm. they call those uh, uh, nicknames that with the alliteration and whatnot. But anyway, um, I liked the character and he was different. He looked different than everyone else. He didn't have, you know, he wasn't the bodybuilder physique, uh, that cookie cutter that we had seen for so many decades, really in WWE and kind of, in my opinion, that's where the mold kind of started to break. And, and, and we were seeing guys that were being, uh, used with different body types. And it wasn't always that, uh, you know, that, cut or or lean or jacked up bodybuilder image that they were putting out for so many years mm -hmm. yeah I, i'm trying to think of who else was on that nxt or you know was it nxt or nexus 2.0 that when cm punk took over and i yeah I think maybe yeah. he was part of that group i think uh the curtis axel maybe curtis axel and uh mason ryan no mason ryan was part of that and uh I don't think he, you know, I think Heath Slater and Dave Otungo, I, I think they all, the original NXT guys kind of, because they had the core with mm -hmm. Barrett and, you know, so it all kind of got convoluted. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I guess, Husky. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, continue, please. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, you know, when Husky Harris came in, I think one, like you said, the name was a little cheesy. So I don't think the fans really took to it. Plus, at the time, Wyndham Rotunda had a kind of generic, just, you know, trunks and elbow pads look. He didn't have the beard or the, you know, the dreads and, and, and whatnot. So I don't think had he stayed Husky Harris, you know, probably wouldn't have sadly moved beyond where Bo Dallas, for example, moved up to. But I think I remember reading a story that when, um, the Nexus 2.0 ended and he got sent back down to FCW. I think he, uh, uh, if I remember the story right, he went up to Triple H and said, like, you haven't seen the last of me. And, you know, and then luckily was given the freedom to come up with a new character and redevelop himself, which, like I said, you know, every every superstar is like one gimmick away from, or every wrestler is one gimmick away from being a superstar, you know, and you can go back and look through, you know, I mean, would Stone Cold 
have been stone cold if he'd come in as stunning Steve. True. I, I find it interesting too, and and I want your a take on this. <laughs> it never leaned in, and WWE never did either, on being that third generation superstar. I mean, they may have said third generation superstar, but they didn't beat you over the head with, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't Blackjack Mulligan the third or uh you know, Mike Rotundo Jr. or even Wyndham Rotundo. Yeah. And we see some superstars come in. You know, obviously Charlotte Flair has played off of that lineage of, of mm. being Flair. Uh, you know, in the WCW days, it was Dustin Rhodes doing that with 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 the American Dream. And now Cody, you know, that's really his thing. So we see some of these, you know, the bloodline, obviously. WWE, and I guess it's all part of the creative process, but, mm. um, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, I know there was a lot of outrage when Michael McGillicuddy, for example, you know, wasn't being recognized as 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 Kurt Hennig or Mr. Perfect's son. Yeah. Um, Braun Breaker, even more recently, you know, they've, they've acknowledged he's a Steiner, but, you know, they don't call him that. So yeah. uh, I think it's kind of important, uh, you know, for these superstars to establish an identity and, and become, you know, who they're going to be and not necessarily use their their father or their mother as a, as a crutch. But on the other hand, too, it seems like it's low hanging fruit. So why not grab it and, and build off of that? And mm-hmm. I think the Bray Wyatt, like you said, with that creativity that that Wyndham had, he didn't necessarily have to be IRS junior that would be stupid but you know, you know what i'm saying no i mean i think i mean i well if he came around today i think he could be irs junior now that you know the government has gone and hired eighty four thousand more irs agents why wouldn't they hire us you know and wrestling book uh bookkeeping is probably about as legitimate as hollywood bookkeeping these days so um no and i you know i find it interesting because like you said with Braun Bre- breaker they, he's not called Steiner, but yet on commentary, like you were saying, they kind of beat you over the head with the fact that he is, you know, a Steiner. Yeah. And, um, you know, with Michael McGillicuddy, I mean, stupid name aside, when he became Curtis Axel, they acknowledged it was a tribute to his father and his yeah. grandfather. Yeah. And so it is a double-edged sword where, yes, do you acknowledge the family lineage and then hope that you can not just rely on the name to carry you through. You know, you have to, and especially, you know, going back and not to pick on Michael McGillicuddy, but you know, when you're the son of Mr. Perfect, if you're not perfect, right. It's not, you know, and same way with, you know, someone like David flair, you know, when you come in as a son of probably the all time greatest wrestler or in a lot of people's eyes and you are average, you're, you know, the fans aren't, aren't going to treat you right. So, um, you know, I, but I do think, like you said, Bray didn't have to rely on, and granted, I think IRS is the most successful gimmick that Mike Rotunda had. Yeah. Outside of that, you know, he really what didn't have much of a character when he was just, you know, part of the U.S. Express or when he was, what was it, Captain Mike Rotunda in WCW uh, and part of the Varsity Club. You know, he was just, a wrestler so bray had maybe that freedom to break out of of being a third generation star by being his own person and creating his own character yeah it was it was again it was 
I, I think a lot of people compared it to uh, compared the Bray the Bray Wyatt character that is uh, in that early incarnation of it at least to uh, Dan Spivey's portrayal mm -hmm. of Waylon Mercy back in the mid '90s, and I, I don't feel like that gimmick ever. And you know, again, this was at a time where I was in college, I wasn't watch. I was watching, but not mm -hmm. watching um, as, as intently. So I don't know, you know, how long that character was even around and, and how much inspiration Bray Wyatt drew or, or, or you know, mm -hmm. when drew from that to create the Bray Wyatt character, because again, Dan Spivey connected to Mike Rotundo after Barry Windham had left WWF, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in, in the eighties. So again, I don't know if there's a correlation there or not, but it seemed like, mm -hmm. Uh, the character was one of those original things, you know, the, the catch line or the catchphrase, you know, follow the buzzards and let me in and the lantern. And, you know, I will tell you watching the clips from SmackDown, I was at football on Friday night. So I just watched uh, the highlights. I got goosebumps multiple times watching, but when the, the arena, you mm -hmm. know, eliminated when LA Knight was talking with the fireflies mm -hmm. and how they closed the show. I got to tell you, man, it was it was intense. It was crazy. Yeah, I I haven't watched the end of the show, but at the beginning when they were all doing, you know, everyone was out on the ramp, all mm -hmm. the wrestlers paying the tribute, and then they played. I think the, you know, he's got the whole world in his hand song, and yeah. then when it stopped, then the crowd took over and starts it, and that was you know goosebump. But um, real quick to go back to Dan Spivey and, yeah. and Leland Mercy, yeah, I. I mean, I believe, again, if I remember history, Spivey wasn't around very long due to injuries. Mm -hmm. But that character of Waylon Mercy and the early incarnation of Bray Wyatt both kind of came from um, uh, Robert De Niro's character in Cape Fear, Max Caddy, which um, also e either came from that or the Simpsons episode where uh, Sideshow Bob breaks out of prison and is going to kill Bart and he has the, the Bart, the tattoo. Yes. On his face. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but, uh, but again, you take an inspiration and then make it your own. And I think that's what Bray was really good at. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And, you know, again, and I don't know how much of SmackDown you've seen um, as we're recording this, but mm -hmm. They did a good job, I felt like, with with interspersing tributes to both Bray Wyatt and mm -hmm. Terry Funk, obviously. And we are going to talk about Terry Funk here in just a few minutes. But, um, you know, when I think this is the first time in a while, maybe since Brody Lee, and correct me if I'm wrong, obviously Jay Briscoe earlier this year. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, on that national stage where where we lost an active wrestler and it seemed like there was a, a period where we were losing active wrestlers uh, all the time and mm -hmm. uh, you know Bray had a young family and you know you just my percep perception perspective of death really has changed over the last few months you know uh, I've talked about it on this podcast my mom died in in June and I still have moments of like is this real and I can't explain it, and I and I don't know if, if you have an opinion on this, but I feel mm -hmm. like since you know losing my mom, I always want to read, read about a celebrity dying or reading about someone local in the news, you know, dying. Mm -hmm. You have sympathy and you feel sorry, and you have some empathy for the family and and, and whatnot. But now, the, living through the loss and the grief of of losing mm -hmm. a parent, 
it hits different, you know, when, when, um, uh, Paul Rubens, you know, recently passed away and, and reading that news, it just hit me. Um, and, and it's like, and maybe it's part of, of getting older and it's probably going to come off sounding very weird. And I don't know why I'm talking about it, but it's like, it, it, it's, it's that finality and, and it, it hit and it, it becomes, you know, we know that, you know, when a celebrity dies, obviously their legacy lives on through their work and, you know, we can go back and watch WWE network and, and whatnot, mm-hmm. but, but then you think about that family and it's like, there's no more Christmas and there's no more birthdays and there's no more anniversaries with that, that loved one. And it, I don't know, it just hit me differently uh, these last couple of days, yeah. Bray Wyatt and, you know, with, with of course, Terry Funk as well. Yeah. yeah and I think, you know, it, it also hits when like Terry Funk's passing obviously was, you know, a big deal and yeah. sad, but at the same time, you know, he was 73 years old. He had been battling dementia, uh, yeah. Parkinson's. So it was, un- it wasn't unexpected. Right. Right. Bray Wyatt, 36 years old yeah. without knowing what the, you know, history of the last year has been mm-hmm. very shocking. And, and I'm with you where, you know, like watching SmackDown and seeing clips, I'm like, it's not real. Like he's going to come back, you know, it's part yeah. of the gimmick or, um, or even, you know, you brought up Paul Rubens. He, he, along with, you know, Norm MacDonald yeah. had been battling cancer silently for years. Yeah. And so when it comes out like, oh, they died of cancer, you're like, what? Like it doesn't, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense because again, it's the une- unexpectedness and you know, um, I don't know how far down you want to go in this, but you know, like you said, you lost your mom and um, oh, hate the word lost. And uh, real, real quick tangent: I uh, had a, uh, I took a mythology class in college, and first day the teacher's talking about like the power of words, and he's like, you know, people will be like, oh, we lost grandma on Tuesday, and he's like, oh, do you have a habit of misplacing your relatives, like? I don't know why that has stuck with me for 30 years, but no, I, agree. Um, I, hate, I hate when someone says someone lost their battle to whatever disease. Yeah. To. I, I don't like that either, but yeah. yeah. I, the Nor the Norm Macdonald one is uh, you fought the battle to a draw because you're both. Um, like yeah. But yeah, with your mom passing in June, you know, I, my mom passed in March of 2022. The difference is I, had that that i mean my mom was not doing well she was in the hospital it wasn't exactly unexpected mm-hmm. i mean there was hope that she would get better but didn't whereas you know talking with you your mom again wasn't doing well but was you know you didn't i mean i remember texting you and saying like oh hopefully this will make things better and you know yeah. again and then i got the message from you the next day i'm like oh damn yeah. that, that that sucks and and so I think when it comes to death in that regard, if you have time to prepare, it's much different than, uh, you know, mm-hmm. when you don't. And I mean, that seems kind of obvious, but I just think mentally, yeah, it helps you. And, and you know, I can say from my perspective, um, I've, I've done well since my mom's passing, but um you know, you mentioned like no more Christmas, no more, whatever. There are times where I'll like be walking out of my apartment and there'll be a package on my mailbox. Mm-hmm. Obviously not for me. I, you know, I live in an apartment yeah. complex, but I'm like, 
I'm, my mom would have this habit of just randomly sending packages that I just show up. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not going to happen anymore. And so I don't know. I'm kind of going off on a therapy session with you, but uh, no, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that was going to be part of it. I knew doing this episode, it was going to bring up those kinds of, of thoughts and, and memories. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted you to, you know, obviously your fandom of, of, of both of these superstars, but I mm-hmm. you know, just kind of getting that perspective too, because uh, it, it is different. It, it just hits different. And, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, like you said, with, with Bray Wyatt, you know, 36 and seeing the pictures of his wife and his kids and his wife, mm-hmm. Jojo, uh, you know, former ring announcer and 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 whatnot. It's yeah. just you know, and knowing that Mike Rotundo and, and Barry Windham and, yeah. and Bo Dallas, you know, they they've lost a brother and a father. Yeah. Now, you know, going off of that, because yes, that the video that they played on SmackDown very emotional, especially when it showed the pictures of him with his family. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, and this might be a weird question, that are the and granted, you know, that's 2023 kayfabe is just a woman that produces. <laughs> that's the associate producer on old uh, wrestling videos. But um, so kayfabe is dead. But uh, do you think that showing the human side of Bray Wyatt? Did it add to like I'm having trouble framing this question, but yeah. should they have kept the mystique of Bray Wyatt or was it? better that they broke character and showed him showed the humanity of him um you know and this this brings up a whole other <laughs> topic of conversation but i i think it it worked you know because mm. for example let's go back to the paul rubens uh death you know obviously mm. there's a lot of, of tributes to Wee herman going yeah. out there but we also heard a lot about paul rubens person and and I don't think he had a family or wasn't as public with his mm. family life. So, um, but you know, it, it comes into that whole play of, of, you know, when character versus real person and obviously with wrestling, it's much different because when Hulk Hogan goes on the tonight show, it's, it's Hulk Hogan talking. It's not Terry Bollea because, you know, nobody wants to hear from him, but when <laughs> Sylvester Stallone goes on, it's Sylvester Stallone, not Robert right. Boa. So, yeah, it becomes this weird whole thing with with wrestling. I think it was the right thing to do. I think you know, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to uh, uh, treat it, or, you know, but I'm I'm going with the Undertaker as the obvious one here because for so mm-hmm. many years he had that mystique around the character, probably the best at keeping uh, the kayfabe going. Since Nikita Koloff, yes, yes, yeah, uh, yeah, good, good point. <laughs> Um, you know, so I, I got to think when, you know, when, when he passes away too, you know, we'll get the same kind of thing where, and we, over the last couple of years, we have seen more of that since he retired, you know, mm-hmm. Michelle McCool, and we see this son that they're raising and, and his daughter. And, and so, you know, they, they have kind of peeled some of that back. So I, I, I thought, you know, it was good uh, doing that. I think that, in a weird way, it, it does help kind of with the grieving process of seeing, you know, one hand, it, it it's like, oh, man, this sucks for these little kids and, you know, their dad is gone. But on the other hand, too, it's like, that's his legacy. That's 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 Wyndham Rotundo's legacy. You know, obviously, we'll talk about him in the Hall of Fame one day, probably. And I, I think and I don't know. Uh, 
I, I saw a clip where the the blue uh, universal championship is going to be retired in in his honor. Mm. Uh, again, I just saw a headline. I didn't click on it and read the article. I don't know if that's that's true or not. But, you know, obviously there are going to be ways to pay tribute to Bray Wyatt, uh, yeah. not just Wyndham Rotundo. But, um, you know, obviously when something like this happens, uh, I can remember after Benoit's death, you know, there was a, a quick call, but then obviously a quick stop mm-hmm. uh, right. to induct him into the Hall of Fame at that next year's WrestleMania. So. Well, yeah, I was going to say, do you think they'll rush him in like they did with Eddie Guerrero? I I do. I think that they will. um, And and I'm not saying this in a negative way, because I think that there are ways to do these kinds of things and do them tastefully and tactfully and and respectfully and not exploitively, if that's even a word. Mm -hmm. Uh, not, Not unlike how AEW has done the Owen Hart tournament um and and donated the proceeds of that to the uh owen hart foundation mm-hmm. uh, you know i know that that wwe has said that any merchandise sold now and i guess from here on out will go to the uh to the family. i almost said the Wyatt family but to, <laughs> to the rotundo family you know which is great but then again and this brings a whole nother thing up too you know i just did a quick search on ebay and you know of course people being opportunistic if you want to call it that and and i don't say that necessarily a negative way but you know the figures and the and the t-shirts and stuff you know they jacked the prices up i remember right after mean gene died people were selling the ljn figure online for like probably five to ten times more than what they would have been selling it the day before his passing so um and people buy it so you know i'm not judging but i am saying that there are people out there that are going to uh, take a situation and, and, and do with it what they what they feel is the right thing to do. And, you know, I, I always usually take a picture with my uh, action figures or if I have a, a, a something that is commemorative mm-hmm. of that superstar. I've got the Terry Funk LJN in the cabinet behind me and, and did that. Uh, I actually had an extra Bray Wyatt figure from the toy drive a couple of years ago that came off the, the backing. And so I couldn't donate it because it wasn't technically a new a figure on the card so um unfortunately it was from their series of, of zombie figures <laughs> i thought it was probably in poor taste to post that and have that out behind me but I, I think that there's going to obviously be in you know after the warrior's death you know mattel came out with a whole uh, series of warrior figures we see all the macho man randy savage figures and bray wyatt you know and this kind of sounds morbid but he's a toy toyetic character you know and, mm-hmm. and I could see them doing more uh, with that and, and having that licensing. And, and again, yeah. I, I don't shun those actions and, and those moves because I think the fans want that as well. Because like we said earlier, you know, now that he is mm-hmm. gone, there's not going to be those moments anymore that we're creating. So we're going to have to go mm-hmm. back and relive uh, that history in those moments. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the same with Terry Funk. I know that they just recently released a nostalgia figure of him. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that that, that will uh, begin to sell once again as well. Now, here's the um, <clears throat> maybe crass thought. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, earlier this year, Jay Briscoe killed in a car crash. Yeah. The Briscoe brothers had not been on AEW programming. Yeah. There are rumors as to why, yeah. uh, you know, that's all speculation i 
without knowing anything, can't say for sure. But after Jay's death, Mark Briscoe started showing up on AEW programming. Mm -hmm. Do you think, and I don't know where he stands in his wrestling career right now, do you think Bo Dallas might get some attention or a push right now to kind of capitalize and, and maybe pay homage or just keep the legacy of, you know, even though they, I don't think they ever acknowledged Bo and Bray as brothers on TV. Um, allegedly the uncle howdy character um, yeah. from earlier this year was Bo Dallas under the mask. And I don't know if that ever would have paid off right. in that way, but um could you see Bo Dallas coming back to WWE now? Is basically. I, I, I had thought about that the other day. I think it's it, it's certainly possible. I don't. Here's the problem. And I say problem loosely. You know, we, we saw this with Eddie Guerrero. I feel like mm-hmm. when he passed, Chavo was doing the Kerwin White gimmick. Yeah. Went back to Chavo Guerrero, um, and, and, and I, basically became an Eddie tribute act. I mean, yeah. And, and I'm not saying, you know, this to be negative about Chavo. He did not have the charisma that Eddie had. Eddie. And and I feel like they were trying to, they being WWE creative, Chavo himself, they were trying to recreate something that just, it can't be done. And yeah. I hope that if they do that with, with Bo Dallas and bringing him back in, if they do Uncle Howdy, or if they decide to go just have him come in as, and I don't know what his, his, real name is but mm-hmm. you know, just coming in as uh bo rotundo and I, I know his real name isn't bo but I, I think if they do something like that it could work but not lean in and just let the tribute be the whole thing you know what i mean yeah that's gonna run thin i think and, yeah no i'm agreeing with, you, agreeing with you and that's where i go like you know and not to diss on chavo but i i remember at um tna's uh um, their big pay-per-view bound for glory and um i think it was 2012 whenever sting was inducted into the tna hall of fame i was at that ceremony and every table there was a wrestler sitting with the fans mm-hmm. and i got the table with chavo mm-hmm. and you know part of me wanted to ask him like do you think becoming again basically an eddie tribute act hindered his career which I think would have been out of, out of line, out of place at that time to ask, but that's how I kind of view Chavo now is that, you know, everything that he had done and the legacy that he had built has kind of been erased by trying to be trying to fill Eddie's shoes, but Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt are very different characters. So even if you brought Bo back, I don't, I would hope that, you know, he wouldn't try to be a Bray knockoff clone. Um, so then it becomes like, okay, then Bo has to become his own character. And then by him being out there, you're just kind of like hinting at association, you know, association by name, I guess. I don't know. So, and, and, you know, thinking about it now, I, I know at the smack on SmackDown when, when all the roster was out there, um, Braun Strowman, who, is currently injured and has been off TV for a while. And Eric Red, Redbeard, or um, I can't remember what his um, white Rowan. family name was. Eric Rowan. Rowan. Eric Rowan, who is not with the company. We're out there, you know, front and center. But I didn't see Bo Dallas. And, you know, granted, 
you know, being family member, it might be a little bit yeah. more like didn't want to be there or couldn't. Um, but again, because they're not hadn't been associated on screen together, could also be a reason why it wasn't there. Um, so I don't know. I, you know, obviously I think Bo Dallas kind of got shafted during his main roster run because they kind of brought him up from NXT with the same gimmick that had organically grown and just put him out in front of a crowd and been like, okay, do your thing. And crowd's like, who is this guy? You know? Mm -hmm. So if they bring him back, hopefully they have a plan plan in place for him. Um, But if he doesn't come back, you know, I, I just hope he's doing what he wants to do and not something that he feels he needs to do. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of wrapping up on, on Bray Wyatt, I, mm-hmm. what were your thoughts on the Fiend character? Because we kind of went from, I, I, I wish that with the Fiend, it would have been more um, like it was two different people. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I feel mm-hmm. like they, they played it off more. I loved when he was, you know, because I, I guess when he was doing the Firefly Funhouse, you know, with the red sweater and coming out, mm-hmm. he was Bray Wyatt. But then when he wrestled as the Fiend, but I feel like they kind of, on commentary at least, interchanged the two. So it wasn't necessarily just the Fiend wrestling. It was also Bray Wyatt, despite the mask and, and yeah. you know, kind of all that. I And I wish that it would have been more of like, kind of like, you know, uh, Mick Foley and uh, you know Cactus Jack or do you know what I, mm. I feel like when they when it was Cactus Jack in their wrestling or if it was Mankind and I know Mick Foley kind of came about at, when he was getting closer to re- retiring but I, I felt like they did a better job of distinguishing them as two different mm, characters, characters if you will so yeah I mean the Fiend I I don't think I ever fully bought into it. And I think part of it was the mask. I just didn't like the look of it. And yeah. so that took me out. And like you said, he, I don't think there's enough variation and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering fiend matches, but also I don't think the fiend really had any good feuds. And mm-hmm. cause when I think of the fiend, the two matches that come to mind are the um, hell, hell in the cell match with Seth Rollins, which, you know, again, you're, have a cage match that ends in a ref stoppage and, you know, doesn't really pay off anything. And then um, the match with, um, um, was it with Randy Orton at WrestleMania? Yeah. With when Alexa bliss was on the box, like structure. Yeah. 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 And that, and the, you know, that, and even the match with, uh, I think with, with Randy where they like put the video of the maggots on the, ring apron you know it's like those matches weren't good compared to like the bray wyatt you know like the shield versus wyatt family matches like you know and i think that aspect probably took away from the fiend gimmick as well where it became too um too much of a somewhere but too much of a gimmick or too much of a you know too far outlandish removed from reality type thing yeah, we really had to suspend. Uh, yeah, there. Um, Terry Funk. Let's uh, you know. Yeah. Let's talk about him for a little bit here. Uh, I remember Terry Funk going back to uh, watching wrestling at the Chase. Uh, you know, in the mid, early to mid eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, 
reading about him in the magazines, of course, obviously after his run as NWA heavyweight champion, but, you know, recognizing that he was, you know, you know, he was in there and, and was, was doing his thing. But for me personally, and again, this is where I guess you draw the line between wrestling fans and sports entertainment fans. It was mm-hmm. in 85 when he headed to the WWF and he had a branding iron and he had the hat mm-hmm. and he had the chaps and he really leaned into the cowboy gimmick and, you know, came from the double cross ranch and he was spitting tobacco and, you know, he was a badass and, and mm-hmm. beating up ring announcers and just kind of beating the hell out of, of his enhancement talents uh, feuding with junkyard dog and, and Hulk Hogan. The one time that I saw Terry Funk live in, in the WWF was, uh, and I don't know if you were at the show or not. We, we have discovered through the years that we've been at some of the same house shows back in the eighties. Uh, this would have been uh, probably February of 86. It was before WrestleMania, but after Saturday night's main event, when King Kong Bundy uh, crushed Hulk Hogan's ribs but the main event that night was uh, at the at the St. Louis show was uh, Hulk Hogan and the Junkyard Dog against Terry and, and Dory Funk Jr. in mm. a tag team match. And, um, you know, that's 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 one of my and I know Terry Funk accomplished a lot. And I and I mm. but for me as a fan, it was that run in WWF, that first run that he had. And then, of course, coming to WCW a few years later and the feud with Ric Flair, I feel mm. like that reinvigorated both of their careers uh, at that point. Yeah. I think it's um, by the time that Funk came into WWF, again, if memory is serving me right, he had already retired from wrestling and then came back. Probably so. Yes. (laughs) You know, um, and well, yeah, yeah I, in his early 40s. And that's, and that was the first time I had ever heard because in my mind, I thought, the middle-aged and crazy thing came years later when he was in uh, ECW. Oh. But going back and watching a couple of old Terry Funk matches from the WWF, Jesse Ventura refers to him as that. And Terry oh. Funk, I watched a clip last night of him uh, beating the hell out of Tony Gurria in a bar. It was one of those you know little stage oh, yeah. mix that they did with Vince McMahon and Lord Alfred Hayes. And Terry Funk referred to himself then as middle-aged. <laughs> So, so yeah, yeah. he I, you know he's in his early 40s and back then in the 80s you didn't see a lot of guys right at that age wrestling especially at the level terry funk was was yeah um so yes yeah, so my first introduction was his wwf run mm-hmm. and i remember being you know 10 11 years old and actually thinking that when he branded people after his matches that that person was going to have that brand on them for the rest of their life i didn't you know I want to talk it was about just a- that too, because, you know, this was, I, I went back and thought about it and, and correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. And if anyone's watching or listening and, and realizes someone else, then please mm-hmm. tell us. But I think that the branding kind of became that setting the pace for Jake laying the snake out on mm-hmm. his opponents, Brutus Beefcake cutting someone's hair, the million dollar man stuffing, you know, hundred dollars. Yeah. In an opponent's mouth because Terry Funk came in in, in mid 85 and that was really as things were exploding uh you know and, and everything and I I you know the same thing with the with the ink and or the you know the branding I remember he did it to Hulk Hogan which set up for a match on on Saturday night's main event with him and um I I, 
I had the action figure, uh, the, the the LJN, and mm. it came with the branding iron. And I remember, t- I've <laughs> but I took the branding iron and put it on an ink pad and branded Mr. Wonderful with it. <laughs> and unfortunately, it did not. <laughs> so Mr. Wonderful, if you look at my wonderful uh, Mr. Wonderful character, uh, he still has very faint uh, ink stamp on mm. his chest from, from the Double Cross Ranch. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, and I, you know, I was thinking about it last night. I, I don't, I don't remember how I felt about Terry Funk in the WWF. Mm-hmm. You know, if he, I think he may have just been there because obviously at that time, you know, Hogan was on top. No one was going to be above Hogan. Yeah. And Funk again, feuding with Junkyard Dog. No, no offense to JYD. You know, liked him as a kid, but as we talked about when JYD was inducted into the hall of fame, it's like, you know, did he really have a hall of fame career or it was, he just kind of like the mid card person, you know, it, it's like, um, so that, that feud really didn't do much in my eyes to make Terry Funk seem like a, I mean, the branding did more to make him seem like a threat than the feuds did. Yeah. But then when he went to WCW and again, he comes in not as a wrestler, yeah. you know, again, I think he comes in retired again. He was retired. Yeah. He'd been off and I think he had done, was it Roadhouse? Roadhouse and Over the Top and Over the Top. Okay. I was trying to think of the Sylvester Stallone movie that he did too. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, he comes in as a judge for the Flair, was it Flair Muda? Flair Steamboat. Flair Steamboat match. Um, you know, and then when he goes off after the match and attacks flair and puts the paper plastic bag over, you know, it was just like, it was ECW before ECW was a thing. And it was very shocking because it was very different to what you did. And that, you know, kind of made you wake up and, and take him as one crazy and a threat because you don't know what he's going to do. You know, it's kind of like an Abdullah, the butcher situation where you're like, you know, you don't know. And then, and then obviously when he went to ECW, um, that's where I think probably the respect for Terry Funk came into play in, in the modern wrestling yeah. um, he roster. He was the old guy trying to, you know, re- he was, yeah, he was the old guy, but he, yeah. there was something about him that it, it didn't, you know, it wasn't like when Pedro Morales, for example, came back in the mid 80s. Right. Wrestling. You know, Terry Funk fit in there and the whole persona and the, you know, it just worked. Yeah. And I think having like Tommy dreamer be his protege and funk being the mentor and, and dreamer taking himself out of the ECW title match at the first pay-per-view barely legal and putting funk in and funk winning. And I mean, this is going to sound weird, but that legitimized funk Mm -hmm. in the eyes of that new generation of fans. Yeah. And then, yeah, no, and then eventually he goes back to WCW and it becomes more, unfortunately, maybe due to the way the Attitude Era was going at that time, it becomes more of a comedy um, persona when he's feuding with Norman Smiley over the hardcore title and, you know, and he is the middle-aged crazy and, um, you know, it's, it's more goofy than what you would expect had expected um and i'm trying to think and actually i believe the chainsaw charlie gimmick was in between ecw and the end of wcw which again chainsaw charlie was an interesting choice um to make the backstory on that uh remind me so chainsaw charlie uh, was with terry funk's idea actually okay 
was named after uh, a barber in his, and this is a story that uh, Bruce Pritchard, I think, is mm. the one that said it originally. And I think Jim Ross and a couple of other uh, of Conrad's podcasters have, have confirmed, but uh, Mick Foley included, but he was uh, the guy in town that everybody went for barbers. And, and, and there was some, I don't remember the correlation with the chainsaw, but yeah, mm. uh, it was such a, it, it was one of those characters too. Like you said, you always wondered, it, it, is he going to be okay? <laughs> yeah. The way he sold and the way that he just got in there. And I, and I still remember too, one of WWE's most iconic matches that hell in a cell with undertaker and, 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 mm -hmm. Mankind. and Terry Funk comes out there and, and mankind or uh, Foley recently said on the 25th anniversary of that show, Funk was out there to buy time for Mick to, to get back mm -hmm. up on his feet because the undertaker, choke slams him i think mm. not once but twice and at one point out of his own <laughs> tennis shoes so uh, seeing terry funk down mm. I, I don't know it just it makes me smile to think mm. about you know his dedication to it and and the fact mm. that he was out there and i love the voice and you know calling dusty Rhodes an egg sucking dog mm. and i watched that promo the other night too mm. so i i just i have so many fond memories of terry funk even yeah. though he wasn't necessarily my favorite and and not on my right. much more and, and probably not even in my top 10, but I know that so many people hold him in such high regard. And I, I always respected him and always enjoyed him. Like I said, from, from those early days, but uh, you know, even more profound now as, as we're getting to watch some of those old clips and see some of those old things from him. Yeah. I'm with you. I, again, would never have called myself necessarily a Terry Funk fan. I liked him, but yeah. And I think it's one of those things where as you get older and you appreciate the art form mm -hmm. more and you, you know, we, we've said it before about like Roddy Piper, you know, as a kid, you hated Roddy Piper oh, because that's what you were supposed to do. But as you got older, you're like, he's really good at what he's doing mm -hmm. and being the character. And that's the same with Terry Funk. And it's just, and again, I think Terry Funk's like just his uh, love of life, maybe a love of wrestling, like comes through in the characters and, and especially once you got to know more of the real Terry Funk, like, you know, and beyond the mat documentary and when he was doing more, um, you know, him and Foley talking, you know, when you'd see interview clips with them. Um, I, I think that also endears Funk to uh, the new, the younger generation. I would say. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm really hoping, um, you know, I believe he, he passed on Wednesday of this past week. Um, so it was like, not probably a lot of time, but with AEW's all in coming up, well, having happened when this podcast drops, I'm just hoping for one wrestler on that show or even on Raw next week or Payback to come out in the like barber pole striped tights <laughs> that Terry Funk wore. Like, because I know Chris Candido used to do that in ECW as like a tribute. And I'm like, if you know, because I was trying to think, like, how do you pay tribute to someone? to either Terry Funk or Bray Wyatt in the wrestling sense of, uh, you know, of, instead of just wearing an armband with the initials, which, right. you know, no offense, no, nothing against that. It pays tribute. But like, if you want to tribute to Funk, how would you do it? And I, I, I want to see the tights. I want to see someone come out or, um, you know, I want to see somebody put CM Punk's head in a plastic bag and just, well, maybe Samoa Joe will do that. Yeah, obviously, as we're uh, recording this the day before All In, um, yeah. uh, I would imagine, and, and I 
I didn't watch Collision um, mm-hmm. Friday night, but or Collision Rampage. Uh, what's yeah. Friday night's show? Rampage. Rampage. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I guess they did a tribute to Bray Wyatt. Did they do anything for Terry Funk? I don't know. Or did they? I do- didn't. I don't think they did anything. I know they put up the. Um, yeah, they did the um, tribute card at the beginning of the show on Wednesday for Funk, and then they did it for Bray on or Wyndham Rotunda on Rampage. So, and you know, neither guy has a real legacy to AEW. So, the fact that you know, I think in the past, wrestling companies would have just ignored it because it wasn't one of their wrestlers. And yeah. now at least we get, you know, all promotions paying yeah. tribute to, to these guys. So, yeah, and I know Terry Funk had a, a bit of a connection to Ring of Honor, so maybe they'll hmm. be able to work that in somewhere along the way too. What What are your thoughts? And this is totally random, but hmm. uh, you know, Kevin Nash on on his podcast recently talked about the Ten Bell Salute, and hmm. how, you know, the Ten Bell Salute really. Uh, is more catered to boxing than wrestling because in wrestling, you know, to, to get a victory in boxing, the referee Mm -hmm. comes to 10, but in wrestling, other than a count out, really it's a three count. And, and he, and this was before, obviously we lost uh, these two legends before these two legends died. (laughs) Um, uh, He's, 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 you know, kind of advocating for a three bell salute, which Mm. when he said it, and I listened to it. I'm like, well, that actually makes sense. But mm-hmm. I don't know where the Tim Bell salute came from. And and but it's become customary. You know, they did it mm-hmm. uh, uh, at SmackDown on Friday night. And I imagine yeah. they'll do something similar at, at All In. My and I, I think this is probably my cynicism <laughs> and my anxiety. Yeah. Um, when they did the Tim Bell salute on SmackDown. It's like, I'm just waiting for that one jackass in the crowd to yell out something to, yeah. you know, um, you know, I, I don't mind the 10 bell salute. I, I think a three bell salute, like you said, may be more appropriate for wrestling, but I, I think the 10 bell gives you the proper time where I think a three bell may be too, too quick rushed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know if it comes from boxing or if there's something else that, um, you know, cause like, I mean, like at military funerals, you have the 21 gun salute. I think 21 bell might be a little too much, but 10 seems about right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I would stick again. I think I would stick with the 10 just for the time length to give you time to really process and, and pay tribute. Yeah. Well, we had talked about, you know, Bray Wyatt earlier going into the hall of fame. Now we were there. Uh, I believe in Orlando when uh, Terry and Dory Funk, or was it in Houston? Might have been Houston. Uh, we Houston. Were when when they were inducted into the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. as you know, obviously a tag team as brothers. I, I feel like, and and kind of two separate questions here, but kind of one and the same. When we see a a superstar die. Uh, either before or after being inducted in the Hall of Fame, and I'll use Degeneration X as the most recent example. Uh, you know, they went in as a group. China was included in that, and then there was a push the year after that, or you know, and she had already, you know, it was a posthumous induction, but there was this call for her to go in as a singles. Um, 
I wonder if if we'll get the same kind of thing with Terry mm-hmm. Funk. You know, should he go in? As, you know, because obviously he had a great singles career, former NWA heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. Um, his run, you know, we talked about the whole ECW thing. Uh, is it necessary, you know, because some fans take the Hall of Fame super, mm-hmm. super serious. Some fans mm-hmm. think it's, you know, you know, they make arguments of, of who's going in and who's in already. Does it matter if you're a Hall of Famer, you're a mm-hmm. Hall of Famer, whether you're part of the Bon Eric family or D-Generation X or the NWO, yeah. you're, you're a Hall of Famer. You know, Sean Waltman right now is a two-time Hall of Famer, but as two different characters with two different factions, Triple yeah. H, I imagine Triple H will eventually go in as a singles, but he's part of the DX, you know, so what what's your thought on that? You know, my thought is um, I don't like when they induct, like, because they, I'm trying to think, do they induct Razor Ramon in, or do they induct Scott Hall? It, it's Razor Ramon, but Kevin Nash is not in as Diesel. It's Kevin Nash. No. Because no. he talked so, about, too, that like, he, he fought to go in as, as Kevin Nash. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. Maybe it's weird because like, because Scott Hall became Scott Hall after Razor. You know, if he'd been Razor the whole time, maybe it'd be different. Him going in as Razor, mm-hmm. um, a character, you know, like um, um, I'm just looking up. I have an Akeem, the African Dream micro brawler sitting on my shelf. You know, I think he should go, if he ever got inducted, he should go in as either Akeem or One Man Gang and not whatever his real name is because no one is familiar with the real name. So sure. that's the different. Um, so I think with Terry and Dory, I can see them just leaving it as the, as both of them. Yeah. I don't know if you need to induct Terry separately yeah. into that. Um, you know, I, and I, I think it is different if you have a, and I know Terry did, but the funks really weren't a function, a fraction faction, if you will. They were more just, you know, a, ta- a random tag, a tag team at times. Um, but their single careers were also separate. Whereas, you know, a, a f- something like the four horsemen DX, you're inducting a group that had significance. Mm-hmm. And then if the individual members have, you know, I mean, um, you know, I would induct three count into the hall of fame, but would I induct Evan courageous by himself? No, <laughs> but the hurricane should I go in? Um, now where does Jimmy Jack funk come into this? Should he, uh, Art Bar. <laughs> Bring him back, baby. Well, it was a good conversation. It was yeah. a it was a good way to remember and 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 pay our respects and, and do a tribute of sorts to two guys that obviously uh at different points made big impacts and and and, mm-hmm. and changed fandom for some and 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 you know it'll be interesting to see, like you said earlier, how does WWE move forward with, uh, you know, seemingly Bray Wyatt was going to come back, was supposed to come back, but fell ill earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what happens with Bo Dallas and and the others that were going to maybe allegedly be involved because there was all kinds of talk that the Firefly Funhouse was coming to life as we saw mm-hmm. at the end of, uh, I think it was Payback. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year 
you know, how was that going to look? You know, there was talk of Karrion Cross and Ron Strowman and, mm-hmm. and a couple of others being a part of that. So anyway, I'm, I'm saying all this to say that uh, they will be missed. Terry Funk and, and of course, Bray Wyatt and, and what could have been, we'll never know. It's kind of like when, when Brian Pillman passed away, mm-hmm. Eddie Guerrero, you know, we saw a lot of greatness out of Eddie Guerrero. And I think there was still more to come and, and very similar to Bray Wyatt at just 36, you know, probably could have had, uh, had he not gotten hurt another, at least five years, maybe mm-hmm. up to 10 or more as Chris Jericho's in his fifties and still doing this. So uh, any final thoughts from you as, as we wrap up this week's episode? Yeah. Like I said, it's just a, still in shock a little bit over Bray. Um, and, you know, maybe this is an unfounded fear, but I hope WWE doesn't try to do, as we kind of talked about earlier, doesn't try to do something to latch onto the legacy of Bray and keep it going. You know, um, just let it, let it go. Mm-hmm. Let the, let the memories live on. Um and and with Terry Funk, um, again, you know, at least he's not suffering anymore. And um, you know, he, I just, uh, yeah, I, I have no word. It's 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 hard, but as uh, as you and I have found out over the last year, you know, life goes on, and yeah. I think wrestling will go on, and their legacies also will live on because the paths that they paved and the people that will come after that were inspired by them. And, you know, that's well said. Couldn't have said it better myself. Friends, we want to hear your thoughts, your memories, uh, whether you saw them live in, in your hometown um, or travel to see them or your experiences with Terry Funk and with, uh, with Bray Wyatt. Uh, let us know. Uh, on the my one two three cents social media channels uh, for Chad Smart, I am Kevin Huntsberger. We will talk again soon. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.